And I am Aware Now. Aware Now, the official platform for causes. Tune in and turn it up as we raise awareness one story at a time for the causes that tie us all together. You can drown yourself or crown yourself. Not many artists have truly stared down death. Alt-pop chanteuse King Al Noir has been there, done it twice, and so much more. In a turbulent year, she has emerged as one of LA's most intriguing new acts, crafting an impressively original sound and making an incredibly powerful statement. No matter what, we can all anoint ourselves kings of our own destiny. When I see your style and hear your songs, oh, my first guess is your training and upbringing is not classically trained feminist from Utah. That's just not what I what I get first straight out of the gate. Uh, but that is the case. So let's start in Utah, where you were raised, and then Nashville, where you ran away to. I'm so curious to know what it was like growing up as a kid and an artist in Utah, and then also what called you to Tennessee. Okay, so yeah, Utah. <laughs> okay, first of all, let me let me start out by saying Utah is probably the most beautiful place ever. It's it's a great place, okay, but it's just not for me. I don't. I. It's not for me. We're just gonna start. We're gonna start there. Um, the classical piano came because I actually had cancer when I was young and um, my older sister was in piano lessons and so my mom would have to bring me to the lessons with her because she couldn't you know leave me with a sitter because I was really sick and then when I was there at her lessons I just picked up on it and I was only 18 months old and her teachers were like how is she doing this she's so young so I was a prodigy in, in a sense and so they let me join the classes. So I just started taking lessons at 18 months old, which wasn't allowed, but they just let me do it. And then I stayed in lessons all the way till I was 16. And then I started teaching and it was just fully classical music. There were some times where I'd go to my teacher and I'd be like, can I learn this? Like, you know, like the Vanessa Carlton thousand mile song, the da 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 da. I like brought in music. I was like, can I please sing and play? And she was like, no, we don't do that here. And I was like, okay. So I would like do that on my own. But I took lessons until I was 16 and then taught. Um, and I didn't always love it, but my mom forced me to stay in it, which I'm grateful now <laughs> for mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, but aside from music, growing up in Utah was difficult for me because I just didn't fit in anywhere. But I didn't want to either. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like, it was kind of by choice. I was just very much a loner. I didn't really have friends and I did get made fun of, but I just didn't care because I didn't want to be there. It wasn't important to me what these people thought of me because I knew that I wasn't going to be there forever. Um, also in Utah, it's obviously a very religious place and I grew up in the Mormon religion, which I also did not fit into, but I had to, I had to be a part of it until I was old enough to not go. The second I got my driver's license, I never went again and I left the church. And then the second I graduated, I moved. And that was when I was 17 because I skipped a grade. So yeah, I don't really have many, it's not even that I don't have, 
I don't have bad memories as much as I just have no memories. Like I swear it was just a blur because I just was focused on the future. I never wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, that's pretty much how it happened in Utah. Yeah. And so actually Nashville, what? <laughs> sorry, sorry. And actually what? I was going to say before I went to Nashville, I actually tried going to Minnesota to go to a music school, but I dropped out after like three weeks and then I went to Nashville after that. <laughs> so that was the, yeah, in between. Minnesota was too cold. It was, it was freezing and I just didn't like school. I was like, I don't, it's pointless to be here, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not a school person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then I got invited to go to Nashville to do a writing session for the first time ever. I had written music my whole life on my own, but I never did a group writing session. And I was so nervous about it because I didn't know how to collab with other professional writers. But this guy asked me to go out there. His name's Jason Deere. And he's like a big country producer and writer. Mm -hmm. And I used to send him my stuff all the time. I just like that annoying person that sends him my stuff. <laughs> And then one day he's like, I think you'll be good for this project. Do you want to fly out and do a session? And I did. I was so nervous, but the song we wrote ended up charting on Billboard top 10. So yeah. And it was for Marie Osmond. I have the plaque right here. And it was kind of just my motivator to be like, oh, this can really be a career. Like, it's not just a hobby. Like, this can be something. Mm -hmm. And so ever since then, I didn't stop trying to make it a career, you know? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It still blows my mind from from Utah to 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 Nashville. Um, but then but then that was just the beginning because you had places to go. You were just getting started. Next was L.A. So what I'd like you to share now is tell us about your songwriting wins that you found there. Uh, let, let's start there. Let's start there. OK. Um, in L.A., I was living in my car at the time. I just drove out there with no plans. Like I always do, I just go. Living in my car and I started singing at a restaurant for a job. And um, when I was there, it was a like a big time restaurant, like expensive, everyone, like people in the industry would go there. And so they would see me and they, they would tell me I was good. Like we should work sometime, give me a card and then nothing would ever come of it. But one day I met these people who linked me with these producers and I still to this day work with them. And I wrote so much good music with these people and it kind of made me realize that I could do a lot more than I ever thought that I could. And I started writing um, super pop type stuff. And then I was even writing rap and R&B and rock. Wow. And I was able to get a place. My first major label placement was with an artist named Ivy J. She's with Atlantic Records. She's super cute, super good R&B artist. Um, and then shortly after that, I was able to work with Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. And I have two songs on his recent album called Andro that I'm singing and wrote. He's, and it was just the funnest experience ever. <laughs> And I have his thing right next to my Marie one. I was like, I have a country legend and a rock legend. Like, who? it's so cool. And then after that, I really, really got into rap. And I got some songs on hold with some pretty big um, 
female rappers. I'm not gonna say because they're not out yet. Mm-hmm. And um, with Wale and I just lose track. I, I, you know, I have I've been in sessions with like Saweetie or like Cardi B. Like just it's it's just keeps growing and growing and growing, and it's really cool to like look back at where I was and see where I'm at now. And it's yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so much accomplished in such a short period of time. Um, you know, and, and outside of what you've been able to accomplish um, and get through uh, in the music industry, there's another side of things. Uh, love to hear the story about your second battle for your life. Um, you expressed when you were a kid having having cancer at that point in time, but tell us what happened after that. What happened to LA where you had to put up another fight? Yeah, um, so first my cancer was kidney cancer and I, they removed my right kidney. So I lived my whole life with one kidney and I knew it wasn't doing great, but I didn't know that it was serious. I just figured I have one kidney. It's, it's normal to not be working perfectly you know mm-hmm. and so even though i felt sick all the time i just ignored it i would go to doctors and they would say the same thing they'd be like it's because you had cancer like duh like leave you're dumb for even asking like they would make me feel stupid so i would start ignoring it myself but then on my 24th birthday i was going out i lived downtown la at the time and i was walking to get an SIU bowl and I just wasn't breathing. I was like, I thought I was having an anxiety attack. I just wasn't able to breathe. And then I passed out. And <laughs> then basically next thing I know, I wake up in the hospital with a tube in my chest and they're like, no, you're starting dialysis tomorrow. And you're gonna have to go three days a week. And yeah, ev- like everything, I can't even you know, I had no time to process it. I was waking up one morning, planning on going to the studio, planning on having a good day. And then all of a sudden it just, I had to literally build from not even zero. I had to build from negatives. Like it, I, it pushed me so far back and yeah, I'm still figuring it, figuring it out. But now I go to dialysis four days a week mm-hmm. and it's, I've been on it for about five years now and it's, it's going to be a, for the rest of my life kind of thing. So I have no choice, but to adjust. Mm -hmm. and um I've realized that music is single-handedly what keeps me going and what keeps me alive so I even though I'm tired even though I have to you know work harder than most or harder than I used to have to work it's um I have no choice but to keep doing it like it's it's the only thing you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow I mean it it is such an incredible story and Again, everything you've been able to overcome and the fact that you continue to smile and rock it like you do because you make a choice to, it's uh, it's inspiring. Um, you know, they so they say, right? They say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Do you think then, it sounds like, I think I already know the answer to this. Did fighting for your life prepare you to be battling as you need to in the music industry to be seen and to be heard? Um, I think so in ways, yes. Um, It's definitely made me mentally stronger to be able to get through hard things. But at the same time, I have that mental weakness and that mental exhaustion that comes with the treatment and this kind of life. But that being said, yes, I'm able to push through it a little bit better and not have 
not have things really bring me down. Um, I don't sweat the small things at all. Maybe I don't, maybe I should sweat them a little more. <laughs> I really, I just, it's, um, I don't know. I guess the answer is yes, but that doesn't mean that it's easier. Uh. It's just, I'm just able to do harder things and be phased a little less, if that makes sense. That makes complete sense. Absolutely. Um, so I'm very excited to have a conversation with you about your latest track, Dilated. Uh, so rated E for explicit lyrics, because sometimes to be raw and real enough, you just have to be, right? Um, and you do get real, calling out different meds for depression. Um, in the song verse, I love, 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 tired at all and I'm getting irritated so please don't ask me why my eyes are dilated I feel like in speaking to in speaking to the blessing and the curse of meds right I'm sure so many people feel seen and feel heard with this track so two questions I'm wondering if that was your goal with this and um if not what was it that inspired you to write this piece? Um, what? Well, my goal is always to have people relate because I think, I think that the more real you are about your personal life and the more personal you get, the more people will relate to it. Even though they're not living your exact same experience, they'll, they'll find a way to make it about them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I'm a little less afraid to go so deep and so personal because I've, I've gotten a lot of messages that's like you don't know how much this has helped me or I relate to this you know and that just really like helps me keep doing it because I'm like oh it's working it's doing something good um but I guess what inspired the song is my personal experience with medication and my I don't want to say love hate but my need for them but also my issues with them and how they go hand in hand um i was i guess in denial that i needed any meds for so long mm -hmm. and people would tell me i don't need them there's such a a bad rep for meds especially for mental meds for you know mental health meds like depression or anxiety there's it's, mm -hmm. people hate on them and it makes you feel kind of stupid when you think that you need them so i felt that way because I grew up thinking no one needs them. And then I got to the point where it was like almost, it almost became like, okay, like, like I don't know what to do now. So I'm going to take all of them. <laughs> oh. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to just take too many. I'm going to go crazy. And then it got really bad and I actually overdosed. And then I got, I was like very addicted to them. And this happens. This is a very common thing. They're mm -hmm. very addictive there. And it's like an accidental addiction that you don't even realize is happening until it's too late. But at the same time, they help you. So every time you take them, you're running that risk to get addicted and to just ruin everything. And it's scary. It's hard to find that happy medium. And I, I haven't found it. I'm back on not taking them because when I took them, I had these bad experiences um so I don't claim to have the answers in my songs I just tell people what I've experienced in this situation and hopefully let people know that they're not alone because I, I already know I'm not alone we've all heard stories like this and 
I just think they need to be talked about more so that that stigma on these meds can just be wiped clean because I think that's what causes the overdoses and what causes the secrecy and the, you know, all of that. So I just wanted to be as real as possible about a very bad experience that I had and a very confusing situation. Mm -hmm. But that, that's where that came from. <laughs> well, it's fantastic. And I, I have just no doubt that it's going to help and resonate with so many people. Um, you know, so, so switching gears a bit, music allows you to make a personal statement, but so does ink. So <laughs> I love to talk tats with you. Uh, I'm curious, two questions. I'm into this two questions thing. I don't know. Um, yeah. What was your first tattoo and which one is your favorite and why? Um, my first one was Wanderlust, an incursive on my rib. It's the tattoo every girl gets. And it was my first one and it was perfect because I had to hide it. I didn't know when I wasn't allowed to have tattoos and you know I just would have been judged so I had it in a place so I could hide it with a swimsuit with whatever and I do love to travel that's like my second passion so mm. um it was perfect I guess and then once you get once you get one you get addicted I just oh yes more and more and more and more and more <laughs> but my favorite this is hard because I have I think I have two favorites okay oh, I have more than two favorites I'm gonna pick <laughs> I'm gonna pick two and it changes all the time. Um, I like my neck tattoo that says neck tattoo. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it just it's it has so many meanings for me, but also no meaning at all. It just it is what it is. Like when people ask me what my tattoos mean, I'm like, when you don't have you don't have to explain this one. That no one asks what it means. Like it's just there. Like it is what it is. And I just think it's funny and I'm just dumb like that. So it, entertains me. it probably entertains me and I laugh at it more than anyone else does. I get like weird looks about it all the time. And then another one that people think is weird is my Guy Fieri tattoo. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, I love him. I have a weird obsession with him. Like I'm a foodie. I love new food and he's just a an amazing person actually like he's such a good person he does so much good that no one even knows about because he doesn't broadcast it which i think mm -hmm. is even better mm -hmm. um and he just has a cool look the hair the shirt like it's just perfect i love it it's uh and it just turned out really good so that's my second favorite <laughs> nice <laughs> i yeah i know i i hear you on on the the tech front and, and the the addiction that comes with it with so many things in life but specifically with ink oh, um yeah. yeah yeah i i i have a couple that i have my 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 little it's a mustache right here so if oh, anyone if that. anyone gave me troubles i could just say no like a, <laughs> a proper frenchman you know so you there's know, that funny fun tattoos are just so great did that one hurt though? My most painful tattoo was actually on my finger. Oh yeah, that hurt more than any of the rest. That was yeah. by far the, yeah. But, um, <laughs> I love ink bonding. It's so nice. I know. <laughs> um, you know, so so one of um, I mean, now I have a collection of great quotes from you. But one is this: "You can drown yourself or crown yourself." And what an incredible statement. So much is said with just that one line. Your quote, 
epic as is your name, King El Noir, <laughs> uh, self-appointed with a title more than earned from all you've overcome and all you've accomplished, El, you chose to crown yourself as opposed to drown yourself. For those who feel like they're drowning, what advice would you give? Um, wow, that like almost made me tear up just thinking about it. <laughs> um, I just think that it's, it's something that we all deserve to be able to do, first of all. So I don't think people need to think that they went through something drastic or like, like that they don't deserve it because everyone literally deserves to crown themselves and be royalty. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, but also it's not an overnight thing. It's not something that happens quickly. It's not even something that happens all at once. It's literally a, a daily choice that you have to make. You have to get out of bed and choose to crown yourself because we all know there's good days and bad days, but you just have to wake up and just keep choosing to crown yourself. And something that's cool about that, I think the physical aspect of a crown, even though we're not actually doing it, it's something that is still visible. People can see when you're going through your life with a crown on. They can see when you're when you're glowing and when you're trying and when you're, you know, when you're being strong or they can even see when you're struggling, but you're pushing through. It's mm -hmm. so it's so noticeable. And no one really notices it about themselves, but there's always someone watching you and you just don't want when you're not doing it for yourself, which you should be, but I know it's hard to do, mm -hmm. do it for others. And then eventually it will become about you. Cause there's been a lot of times where I'm just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. Like I'm tapping out. But then I think of all these people who are looking up to me or my family who loves me. And so I do it for them. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it's, it is about me later than it, you know what I mean? It sometimes has to be looked at from an outside perspective. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good way to think about it. When you don't want to do it anymore, think about the people who want you to do it and who need you to do it. And then it's kind of like fake it till you make it. Wear that crown every single day because people are watching you and people are looking up to you whether you believe it or not. And it's okay if you mess up, but just straighten the crown <laughs> and keep going. And it just works. It's good to have like a, a, a tangible, something tangible to like, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of, you can, it's just a reminder, just put it on and, you yeah. know, and everything yeah. will work itself out and it'll be good. <laughs> I, I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. You're giving me ideas about a new tattoo. So yeah. <laughs> a crown, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, I, I can't thank you enough, truly, Elle, for taking this time and for helping us. Uh, thank you. Helping all of us become just a bit more aware now. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your music, your incredible music, mm -hmm. uh, your incredible spirit and strength. That's so inspiring. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Tune into our podcast, subscribe to our magazine, find us and join us online. Visit IamAwareNow.com. We will no longer wait for permission to change the world. Together, we are aware now. <laughs>